Thank you, Saint. Now, before I begin, uh, can I just add my welcome to John's? It's lovely to gather together this morning. And uh, you're, you're going to need for this talk is uh, one of these uh, sheets. So, have you all got a sheet? Put your hand up if you haven't. Somebody can give you a few over here. I've got a spare one. And uh, for younger ones, or for those, there's a word search. You can take that away later. Also, on the back of these little. Um, uh, service sheet, you've actually got the whole of Psalm 96 as well to help us uh, this morning. So if that got that to hand, I think we're ready. Let's uh, pray that God will help us understand his word and what it is to worship together. Father, please, by your Holy Spirit, please not just help us to understand this psalm, but also to want to sing it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, before we um, look at uh, our psalms, I've got a little quiz for us. And uh, on the screen and on your sheet, you've got those um, uh, uh, songs that are the top 10 UK best-selling songs uh, of all time. Candle in the Wind, Do They Know It's Christmas, Bohemian Rhapsody, Mull of Kintyre, You're the One That I Want. Relax, Rivers of Babylon, Happy, She Loves You, and Last Christmas. But do you know who were the singer and the band? So a bit of a quiz. If you're with others this morning, just want to turn and see if you can work out who that top ten are. So uh, just amongst yourselves, uh, chat amongst yourselves for a moment and see if you can work out the answers. Uh, younger people might need older ones to help them. Ten seconds left. (laughs) Yeah. Hands up if you've got all ten. Not many. Not many. Okay, I'll, I'll read them out, and then, and then we'll put them up on the screen at the end. So, um, let's, just, let's just hear. If Candle in the Wind is Elton John. Do They Know It's Christmas? Band-Aid. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody? Queen. Mull of Kintyre? McCartney. You're the one that I want? And John Travolta and? Livy Newton-John in Greece. Okay. Uh, relax. Goes to says a certain okay. Rivers of Babylon, Boney M. Happy, Pharrell Williams. Uh, she loves you, Beatles. Last Christmas, Wham. Okay, there we are. So together we've worked out. There's the, there's, there it is. The top top ten. So. Uh, those are songs that uh, people have listened to over and over and over again. Uh, those are sold records, as in physical records. In terms of downloaded uh, songs uh, over the internet, uh, Pharrell Williams' Happy is the top-selling song. And do you know how that song goes? Uh, you may know some of the words. Clap along if you feel like a room without a roof. Clap along if you feel like happiness is the truth. Clap along if you know what happiness is to you. 
Come bad news, you'll just be fine because I'm happy. Well, it's a catchy song. It puts a smile on your face. But it's a deceptive song with paper-thin wisdom because it doesn't tell us why we should be happy. And when it comes to bad news, it just encourages us to stick our head in the sand and say everything's fine. It's not really a song that we can live by, though it's quite fun to sing. But in his goodness, God has given us, in the Bible, a whole book of songs, the book of Psalms. And in fact, they're the most sung songs in the world. In fact, one of them made it into the top ten. Which one was it? By the Rivers of Babylon, by Boney M. Psalm 137. Well done. Psalm 137. So, these psalms cover all situations of life, the highs and the lows. They're songs which help to express every human emotion. Uh, in the psalms, you'll find expressed faith and doubt, joy and despair. Uh, but they're songs that remind us again and again of what God is like and how we can trust him through thick and thin, through every situation we face in our lives. And now that we can sing again, we're going to focus on five songs, five psalms uh, over the next few weeks that help us to nurture our faith as Christians. And we're going to see uh, this morning about worship. We, we, with many psalms we could have chosen. We're going to focus on Psalm 96. And we're going to see uh, what uh, worship involves, the what, who, why, where and when and how of worship. So if you've got a pen, you might want us to fill in uh, some of these things as we go along. And we're going to begin with what worship involves. And here are just some of the verses here. I have them up on the screen. Verse 2, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing and praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Verse 3, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deed. Among all peoples, verse 7, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. So worship involves singing, of course, but it involves much more than that. It involves uh, praising, proclaiming, declaring, ascribing. And so th th talks and sermons and conversations with our friends and family about God are all part of our Worship. It's when we're telling other people what God is like, that is all part of our worship. It involves declaring out in front of other people God's awesome and wonderful deeds. And it involves ascribing. What's that word ascribing mean? It means putting words next to God and saying that is what God is like. And in this psalm we discover that he's glorious and righteous and holy and strong. So worship is about giving something or someone their true worth. So in football, it's like praising Christian Ronaldo for his goal scoring, telling all your friends that he's the best goal scorer in history, which he is uh, as of this week, that there is no one com to compare to him. That's what worship involves. And when we come to to worshipping God, well, we're going to be worshipping something in our lives. Let's think about who it is this psalm encourages us to worship. So that's our next thing, who. 
We live in a culture that tells us to worship ourselves. We're told, you're worth it. Put yourselves at the center of your life, and then you'll be happy. But actually, Psalm 96 tells us that actually we'll only be truly who we're created to be if we worship God. And we have the name of God here, the Lord. And uh, did you notice how many times his name is mentioned, the Lord, here? I'm going to just go through Psalm uh, 96 again and just count them for me, uh, children especially, count them for me and see if you can count how many times God's name is mentioned, the Lord, here. So let's read it through. The Lord, sing to the Lord a new song. That's the first one. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Verse 2, sing to the Lord, praise his name. Then verse 4, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. Uh, Verse 5, but the Lord made the heavens. When's the next one? Verse 7, ascribe to the Lord. Uh, Then again, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Verse 8, ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Verse 9, worship the Lord. Verse 10, say among the nations the Lord reigns. Uh, Where is it? Verse uh, 13, Rejoice before the Lord, all of creation. How many lords is that? Eleven. Eleven times in 13 verses we get his name. And it's a name and a title. It takes us back to that moment when Moses encountered God right back at the beginning of the Bible at the burning bush. And God says to Moses, I am who I am and I will be who I will be. In the Hebrew language, Yahweh, we think. We don't quite know how to pronounce his name. In English, that's translated into Jehovah. But so revered was God's name that actually it was never mentioned. Only the word Lord in capitals was used. So we don't actually know how to pronounce God's true name. The word Lord is used instead. And actually that helps us to remember that, it's the, that when we talk about God, we talk about the Lord, he created the heavens. He spoke through prophets and he revealed himself to us fully in his son, Jesus Christ. And all that is summed up in that word, Lord. And it's the word we should use in our worship above all else to describe who God is. The creator, the ruler, the judge of all. And just like Christian Ronaldo, there is no one to compare to this Lord, no more more worthy of our praise. All other gods that people worship, all other things that we put first before God are worthless idols compared to this glorious and amazing creator Lord. Which brings us to our third W. We've looked at what worship involves and who we should worship. Why should we worship him? Perhaps you're asking that question, okay, well, he's the Lord, but I, I don't always feel like worship. Why should I have to worship him? Well, the why question takes us deeper into this psalm. And we read that the Lord made the heavens. When you look up at a night sky, you begin to see just how vast the universe is. And this is our creator that we're coming before. And that demands a certain humility, a certain trembling, if you like, a respectful fear, as the psalm puts it. It stops us taking God lightly. It says that he's to be 
worshipped with awe and splendor. And it stops our worship becoming superficial. You know, there are billions of human beings. There's only one creator. And splendor and majesty are before him. He's perfectly good. He's without stain or flaw. We can never say, as some people say, that God has got that wrong. The Lord was wrong there. No, we can trust him always to deal righteously with us in the very best way. One day he will put the world that's wrong right. He will judge the world, we're told, with equity. That means fairly, absolutely justly. Which is why we're to have in mind that he's also a saving God. Because it would be perfectly right and fair for the Lord to say, none of you are worthy to be with me in glory when you die. My purity and holiness would destroy the evil in you and you with it. But in his love and his mercy, he acts to save us through his son, Jesus Christ. He saves us through his cross. And through his cross, we are welcomed to his presence. We're washed clean and forgiven. He takes away our impurities, our unrighteousness, all our wrongs and gives us Christ's perfection instead. And that is worth all the songs we could ever sing. It's fun to sing some of those um, uh, Christmas songs, those songs uh, from, uh, we listen to on the radio uh, or online, but there's nothing that really moves ourselves like the songs of the Christian faith because there's depth to them. There's truth to them. So what your favorite Christian songs and hymns. Just let's chat amongst yourselves for a moment. Okay. What songs help you to worship? Might be a classic hymn or a, a, a new Christian song. What, just write, jot down something that helps you to worship God at the moment. Well, we've had some uh, wonderful uh, suggestions, uh, 10,000 reasons, amazing grace, maybe a channel of your peace, uh, was it 10,000 reasons? Uh, I'm sure there are many, many more, including the Wiggle song as well. Uh, (laughs) It's good, isn't it, to sing, but where and when should we worship? Well, this psalm doesn't give us any particular fixed times. So yes, of course, we do it on a Sunday, but actually this is something we can do every moment on every day. And it's interesting because creation joins in with the singing and praising uh, of, of God here. And uh, that happens 24-7. There's always a moment when we can lift our souls and sing. In fact, if we look at verse uh, 8, we read, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name, bring an offering and come into his courts. So there is actually in this psalm, although we could worship in lots of different ways, we could worship uh, at our desk or in bed or uh, on our own or with others, uh, or in the car, uh, hopefully with our eyes open. Uh, there are lots of different places. The, the, the focus here is on coming together to praise and worship our wonderful Lord. And uh, the, the courts described here were the courts of the temple in Jerusalem, 
But for Christians, our temple is the Lord Jesus Christ. When we worship together in our churches, we're coming together to worship God the Father through God the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that worship is all enveloping. We're to sing the praises of God when we feel like it and when we don't because it feeds and nurtures our soul. And the waves of the sea and the, the rustle of the leaves in the trees are there to remind us that we too are part of creation and creation is made to, to just do what it was made to do, to, to worship that which has made it. When we sing God praises, we are doing what we were created to do. And there's a joy and a peace and a blessing when we do that. And I know when I became a Christian, I was 16, I was very embarrassed about this whole thing that Christians did of singing. It took me a while to find my voice, if you like. But there's something that I've really missed not being able to sing in these past, uh, was it 18 months or whatever it was? Because it, it touches our soul and enables us to connect with our creator. So we've thought about uh, what worship involves. It's not just singing, it's also declaring before others God's nature and character, who we worship and why we worship, where and when we worship. But that brings us to the question of how we worship. And I want us to think about that as uh, we um, uh, come to the end of those points. You see, in the wisdom of God, we have the words of these psalm songs, but we don't have the sheet music. So every generation and every culture can own them and make them their own. We can worship with choirs and organ and singers and band. And one of the strengths of St. Mary's is we have the, both of those on, on offer on a Sunday morning with so many gifted musicians. It's a great joy. Um, and we may prefer one style to another, but actually both are equally valuable forms of worship with their own integrity and beauty to them. And by offering both kinds, we're able to reach a, a wider group of people who feel they can worship with us at St. Mary's. But I thought it would be helpful if I could just share with you some of my convictions when it comes to Sunday worship and, and how we go about it. First and foremost, we've touched on already, is that actually the worship leader isn't me or, or John this morning. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the worship leader. Without him, we cannot come into the presence of God. Only through his uh, death and resurrection can we be forgiven and welcomed into God's presence and meet with him together. And the task of uh, those up front is, is to help us to, to remind ourselves that each week that the Lord of this psalm is the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it's not how we're not, a, secondly, uh, an audience at a performance. We're all worshippers together and that everyone is involved. It's not about uh, how well we can sing, but it's about joining in together, finding our voice and that's the, the skill, I guess, is, is finding songs with a bit of practice that help us to, to all sing together God's praises. And I think this time, as we uh, learn to sing again after having stopped for so long, is a time to renew our worship and ask for God's Spirit to help us to, to find our voice again and sing loudly his praises. And my third conviction is that Christians should sing the best of the old 
and the best of the new when it comes to hymns and songs. So we should have a familiarity to what we sing, but also a freshness. What does the psalm begin with? It says, sing to the Lord a new song. And so over the months and years ahead, I hope we'll be able to add in new songs as well as singing the ones that we know and love. And I want to thank our musicians who work so hard to bring that creativity uh, to all we do, to bring a freshness to our worship. But according to the psalm here, the world is watching and as we sing, as we worship. So do we mumble out our songs or do we sing them with gusto? If somebody's sitting next to us who's, who's not yet a Christian, what would they learn from the way that we are singing our songs? Is this a God worth knowing? Are we full of the joy of knowing him? Our songs can help us to do that. And finally, when it comes to singing, I wonder if you noticed um, uh, a bit about um, this, uh, the way we worship, we're to bring something with us. Did you see that in verse 8? What are we to bring with us when we come to worship? Have a look at verse 8. An offering, an offering. And there is a sense whether we bring a physical offering or, or uh, give regularly on, online, that we should never come before the Lord empty-handed because we have from him been given the gift of life. Our very breath this day comes from him. And through Jesus, we have the gift of eternal life. And so in the hymns and songs that we sing and the gifts that we bring, it's a way of saying, thank you, Lord, for the privilege of living in your world and knowing you personally through your son, Jesus Christ. For great is the Lord and worthy of praise. And, you know, sometimes I think we, we find it difficult to, to think, don't worry about whether we sing in tune or not. What matters is what is going on in our heart. We're given a voice to sing as God wants us to sing. Some of us is blessed with being able to sing in tune, and he wants us to sing in tune. Others of us can't sing in tune, and he's happy for us to sing not in tune. And what matters is we sing from the heart. So over the next uh, few weeks, as we look at the Psalms, I pray that our worship be renewed and full of joy at this wonderful Lord who meets us in his Son and saves us for relationship with him. Let's uh, just uh, uh, bow our heads to pray. Father God, would you renew our worship? Would you help us to realize that you are really worth all the worship that people bring and sometimes perhaps in our heart we're not at that place where we're we're worshiping you with a free heart would you please show us what is truly valuable and why you're worth all the worship we could bring day after day for the rest of our lives in jesus name amen we're going to sing again now, aren't we? We're going to sing a song that's, that's based on this psalm. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. Shall we stand and sing together?